Hi, I'm Madhuni Krishnan, editor of Airline Weekly, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. This podcast is the audio from our weekly live streaming interview series, which we air every Monday at noon Eastern at forum.skiff.com. Join us for the weekly live stream. We'll take your questions live on air. And of course, if you prefer audio, we'll always be podcasting the Airline Weekly Lounge at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge Live. I'm your host, Madhuni Krishnan, the editor of Airline Weekly, and I'm joined today by Seth Miller, the founder of PaxX.Aero, who's coming to us live from Philadelphia International Airport. Seth is traveling for work. But, um, he's, I think, it's, I believe this is your first work trip since, uh, since the pandemic started, right? It is. Uh, the official count, 248 days without a flight, has now reset to zero. So, uh, wow. it's... It's different than it was 248 days ago, that's for sure. So, Seth, Philadelphia. Tell, yeah. You flew today from Logan, right? Boston, yep, Logan? Yeah, in Boston. So, a two-hour flight, roughly hour and a half flight? Uh, it was an hour and seven in the air, um, and I, we got some shortcuts along the way because I think we landed uh, a little faster than that. It's sort of one of the nice things, I guess I could say, is that there's fewer planes in the sky, there's less congestion, so... We were fully boarded 10 minutes early. We pushed back wow. early. We were off the run. You know, the pilot actually came on and said, flight attendants, take your seat short taxi. And huh. explicitly called that out to make sure they got the safety demo done quickly because we were. We were off the ground super quick. So congestion on the ground at the airports is definitely lower. Uh, congestion in the sky is definitely lower. But, you know, so are passenger counts and all sorts of other things that the industry really needs. So yeah. a little bit of win some, <laughs> lose some right there. Right. Well, okay. So your spe- you, your expertise, you're an expert in uh, the passenger experience, uh, and I know you know this is not what we're going to talk. What I want to ask you is not really the the sort of expertise that you have, but just tell me what the passenger experience was like on a flight. Now, it's yeah. You know, it was it was interesting in some ways. Part of it is my flight only had thirty seats filled on an A319. So wow. uh, right, that's that's not good. Thirty out of what one ten, one fifteen. That's, that's not good for anybody except for me having a whole row to myself and no one sitting around me. Um, so from a health and safety perspective, it felt pretty good. But otherwise, obviously, you can understand the challenges there. Uh, you know, there's some really interesting little things that I think happened in the air. There was no meal service or beverage service. There was nothing from the flight attendants, per se, except right as we were on final set, I had a seat third row from the back um, that I picked mostly because I sort of wanted to do my best to guarantee an empty middle seat next to me just in case it filled up. More people sit towards the front, so it's a little bit mm-hmm. of a calculated risk, and it was light enough load that it didn't matter. Um, and, and I didn't have to worry about getting my bag in an overhead, certainly. But at the very end, I could hear the flight attendants talking uh, amongst themselves of where is this, where is that, looking out the windows, trying to see you know the sights of Atlantic City and Philadelphia as we were on approach. And I chimed up. It's like, it should be on the side here in a couple seconds. I actually had Flight Radar 24 open on my phone, and it was working fine <laughs> on the GoGo2 KU connection. So, uh, you know, everything was working and fine, but the flight attendants, and we, all of a sudden we started to turn. We turned a little north, and I was sitting on the F side, so I was going to miss the Atlantic City view. And then the flight attendant naturally walked over to the other side because he can and looked out the window and saw it. And he's like, sir, sir, come over here and look. Now you can see Atlantic City. Wow. And this is after they had said, you know, you know, we were below 10,000 feet, buckle up, don't go anywhere. And it's a little creepy in some ways, but the last time I had a flight attendant engage in that level of conversation about sort of looking out the window and then late in the flight asked me 
or tell me to come over and move to the other side so I could look out the window and see the you know things we were looking for was in September 2001. Jesus. So yeah, right. yeah um, and this is in some ways is that catastrophic. Um, in no. some ways, it's worse. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's worse. So yeah, that was an interesting parallel. And I'm not gonna lie, I was very apprehensive about this trip. Um, mm-hmm. I have over the year, you know, past 20 years, traveled a ton and consider myself good at it. Um, happy to do it almost all the time. I really didn't want to make this trip. Um, huh. I needed to. And so right. it's been an interesting adjustment to figure out all of the things. And I'm only on step one of what's going to be a long week. So, wow. uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, that that that, uh, that sentiment is, uh, you know, I, you're, you're traveling for business. You're a business traveler and you yeah. don't want to go. And, you know, yeah. even companies that, you know, most com- a lot of companies have completely slashed their travel budgets. But... The ones that haven't, I wonder how many people think the same as you. Like, God, I really don't want want to get on this airplane for work. It's, um, I mean, we know how many, right? We've seen like the the action, right? I mean, we could extrapolate. Basically all of them. Um, Yes. There are some people that, and you know, I look around when I'm in the airports. I see the people and can sort of judge, not perfectly, but who's business and who's who's leisure. Um, This morning was definitely more business than leisure, I would say. Um, so even though we, you know, we keep hearing that leisure is driving the travel recovery, and yesterday was 900,000 passengers screened for the first time, not on a holiday weekend. So right. Right, we're seeing, or not on a holiday you know, travel period. So we're seeing some of the numbers coming back, and there is something coming back. I think it's probably a larger number of travelers than I expected, but it's still pretty low. Um, yeah. And, but it, I would say today the people I've seen walking by is more business travelers than I expected. Maybe not the majority of passengers, but definitely more than I expected. And everyone's wearing masks, I assume, on your flight? Uh, on the flight, everybody was. Uh, on my bus ride to the airport, most people, I mean, it was required, and most people eventually figured out how to get them on and over their nose. Uh, in the terminal, there were a number of people who would sit down, and I'm torn on this one. They were away from everybody else, so not necessarily a problem, but also the rules at the airport are keep your mask on. Yeah. Um, and so I surreptitiously took photos of people uh, huh. and I will share later to shame them. Um, but you know, it's, I'm good like that. Uh, it's, uh, listen, I don't think this is comfortable. I don't think it is you know, sexy. I don't think it is, you know, good, but it's necessary. And so this is what we have to do. It's, I'm standing around. I'm not running a marathon. It's, it can't be that big a deal. Well, you know what? I, I run almost every day and I've got to wear run with a mask but it's what i gotta do right it's yeah so you require the sweating inside of it that gives me uh, yeah it's pretty gross it's gross um so so let's talk let's talk i mean this thanks i appreciate the first hand update on traveling because i i just know so few business travelers who are actually in the air anymore but i want to talk about like so what this what this pandemic is doing experience at large i mean what do you think you see sort of like thing, things that you, you focused on in the four times like Wi-Fi and, um, and seats and sort of the premium experience like are, are you getting is this a, something that airlines are still focused on or does, are they just really trying to keep the lights on? Well, certainly they're just trying to keep the lights on because without that everything else falls apart but I do actually think that um, at various levels, all of the airlines are looking at these things. Um, certainly the suppliers, and obviously it's keeping the lights on for them, so they have yeah. to, but suppliers absolutely are still focused on these things and are absolutely still delivering. I mean, just last week, 
uh, Stelia uh, ish- introduced a new business class seat for single aisle planes. So right, hmm. like on the 321 Neos right. and 737 Max, we've had the Collins Aerospace Diamond, we've had the Thompson Vantage seat forever. Uh, now we've got the Stelia Opera. And it's a new competitor. It's direct aisle access for all passengers, you know, sort of herring zone layout. It's some pros, some cons to it. But it's there is still innovation happening, right? And so that's great to see. Um, when we talk about Wi-Fi, uh, there is still innovation happening, whether it's the, you know, GoGo Intelsat deal where Intelsat right. brought out the commercial aviation portion of GoGo. Or even beyond that, some of the innovations that Intelsat has planned. They're not just going to, you know, you know, take the whole thing and chunk it over and call it a new business. They, they want to change it and adjust it and switch up some of the offerings in some ways, right? It's like increasing performance on some of the regional jets and things like that. So there really are some interesting things happening. Now, I think like with everything else in the airline world, what we're seeing from suppliers today doesn't hit actual seats in planes or fuselage on planes for two to three years. Right. And so maybe maybe... You know, that's good timing to be bringing out new products. Uh, counterpoint is not all of them are going to hit. And so some of these suppliers, either the, the products or just the supplier in general, aren't going to exist three years from now because, you know, the cyclical, the cycle misses and they, you know, need some money to yeah. keep going along the way. But, you know, I, I do think that the innovation is still happening. I do think that there's stuff still moving forward. None of it is the funky seat designs and everything else we saw in April and May. I don't think any of that, like, oh, you can get your little cocoon in the sky with, like, a, right. a, a hat drops down over you, like, the curling, the curling hair, your curly hair dryers at the salon or whatever. <laughs> um, those things, I don't think are going to happen, but we are still seeing innovation and development coming along, so I do think it's happening for real. Yeah, you raised the... You raised two really interesting points here. Actually, you raised several points, but there are two I want to follow up on. One is, you're right, back in... April and May, March, April, May, early in the pandemic, at least in uh, Europe and North America, there was a lot of crazy ideas being floated around of, you know, like plexiglass, like boxes around your seats and, and how, what, what we need to do for future pandemics. But I think now that as the scientists have started to understand how this virus works and how it's transmitted and how it interacts with, you know, the ventilation on the aircraft, we're moving away from the crazy and more towards the practical, like, what you the Snoopy mask you're wearing on your face, or <laughs> Joe I'm not cool. sure Snoopy's so practical, but you know. <laughs> but you know, and and also like the 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 cleaning protocols of uh, the airlines have been doing for several months now, like electrostatic fogging, etc. So so we've moved away from the crazy. But the second point I wanted to get to, and this is this is interesting, right? I mean, we know that the 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 period the time between when an idea like a seat is on the drawing board and when it's actually like able to be Im- installed in an aircraft is several years. And even if an airline buys, you know, the, a seat that's on the market before they can update their fleet, it's at least a year, right? Yeah. If not more. So it seems like the ideal time to innovate is now the ideal time to start to, to roll out new products and for airlines to buy new products is now, but then the other thing you've mentioned, and this someone like if the the ideal time may be now, but then 
what happens to these suppliers if they're not? I mean, airlines are trying to keep the lights on. Suppliers are um, need the cash. So yeah. where, where where does that leave us? What if you if you a, a supplier like can't start building out seats if they don't have money coming in, whether from deposits on the new stuff or contracts from the old stuff that they're turning around and flipping as investment into the next round, right? So it really is a tough balance to strike. I mean, I will say there is a surprising to me, and maybe I shouldn't be, but I am a little surprised at the volume of sort of fresh investment I'm seeing in the industry. Hmm. Um, and not just nece- not necessarily just in seats and in um, Wi-Fi, but across the board. Uh, you know, uh, Dufree, which is a huge retail operator, they have 2,500 shops in 65 countries around the world and airports, is bringing in 700 million Swiss francs in a, a share offering this week, huh. uh, assuming their investors approve it, which they should now. Uh, like a third of it's from Alibaba. In China, and they're going to expand. They're going to create a joint venture and build up digital and physical retail in China as part of the deal. Um, but part of it is just like a, sort of a more normal investment of someone who's like, wait, there, there's an opportunity to make money here. We still think that the industry is going to recover, um, and we'd want to be invested at a good valuation in the company that's leading that. So um, you know, there is that level of investment still happening in a lot of places. Um, I want to say one of the seat manufacturers just expanded a facility. At the same time, another one announced they're shutting one of their facilities in Seattle. So right. it's, it's not all winning necessarily, but um, you know where, where there are opportunities to grow. And, and I, the one that is expanding, I believe Recaro announced an expansion, and it was in part based on bigger orders that they had previously uh, secured and are now starting to come due. And so they have the sort of cash from those coming in they can afford to take some of that cash and invest it in other areas. Uh, Saffron Aerospace is the one that's shutting down up near Everett um, because wide-body production is disappearing there, among (laughs) other things. Um, So the the duty-free, I mean, that is part of the passenger experience. I mean, that's, that is, uh, it just seems to me so... It, well, it is a lot of money, but it also seems bizarre to me now to think of going into a duty-free shop and touching a bottle of, say, like, yeah, hand lotion or something. Yeah, whiskey that everybody else has touched. Yes, exactly. ahead of you. Now, right. And, and so part of it, that deal specifically was to get the Alibaba digital retail uh, skills and technology into Dufree's, uh platform. They, they yeah. want to transition to become a more digital environment. Um it, who knows how that'll actually play out over time and where that's going to end up. We've seen a lot of companies pushing more in that direction. Uh, Lufthansa in Austria announced that they're going to have Sky Deals as their in-flight sales tool. And instead of walking up and down the aisle with a trolley, they're mm-hmm. pushing everybody to a digital portal. Now, pros and cons. Pros, you have an infinite catalog, essentially. Uh, cons, you don't get the thing in your hand as you're walking off the plane. Uh, yeah. In some cases, they can put a warehouse facility at the terminal or nearby. Um, I remember when SkyMall did this like 30 years ago, and it was the coolest thing because you could use the GTE Air phone and dial <laughs> a free number and order something from SkyMall. And I think in Atlanta, they would pay like $20. You'd pay like $20 for a stick of gum, but there yeah. was someone standing there holding it for you when you landed in Atlanta uh, because mm-hmm. they made a deal and they had the warehouse space in Atlanta. Obviously, the the communications got a lot cheaper with the internet services and doing it digitally instead of over the phone and the warehousing and whatever has all changed a lot. But, you know, th- this isn't necessarily a new concept, but it's certainly a new version of that concept. And it is something where there's potential for it to work. So, you know, 
do I buy things in duty free just because I want the thing or is because I need that thing right now um, is going to be an interesting challenge. It's also like, you know, the, the idea behind Sky Deals is sort of things like, you know, it costs X dollars, but if 50 people on board order it, uh, the price goes down. And so it's, you know, oh, trying to gamify huh. the shopping experience or, hey, look, we're over Switzerland right now. Uh, chocolate's on sale uh, or pens or Swiss Army wow. pens, whatever it's going to be. Right, right. Which, which is kind of cool, but at the same time, like, is it a push notification that it interrupts me during my video that I'm watching that says, hey, yeah. by the way, now you can get a discount on the thing. Am I going to be happy about that or sad about that? I don't, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, sort of consumer behavioral uh, stuff that needs to still be better understood. I, I, I know what I think personally. Um, I'm not the average consumer, so I don't want to project my particular <laughs> thoughts out to everybody. But I, I think there's some challenges there, but it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, you know, a few weeks ago on this uh, live stream, I was talking to the head of uh, the uh, Gensler's Aviation Practice, the um, the architecture firm, and he, you know, he was sort of modeling out the airport of the future. And one of the larger uh, issues they had is uh, how to keep duty free shopping safe. And you know, some of the things they were considering is sort of on site warehouses where you order your duty free products from your phone when you go. You know, your phone yeah. knows when you entered the airport and therefore are can buy duty free so you're not just ordering it at home you order your duty free products and then you either pick it up at the, you know it's delivered to you while you're eating your lunch at the at airport restaurant or just before boarding um but that raised a lot of questions we were talking about this about as you said consumer behavior i mean duty free is so often an impulse buy for a lot yeah, of people say, for, you, for me it's almost entirely impulse if i don't see yeah. the store and like ah, i gotta walk through it anyways oh hey I did need more gummy bears. I run out. Um, exactly. By and the way, my largest duty-free purchase generally is <laughs> German Haribo German gummy bears. <laughs> You're not alone in that. A lot of people do that. But you know, as we all know, like when you go to when you in a lot of airports, especially large international airports, you are funneled through the duty-free on your way to after security on your way to your yep. gate. Like there's no avoiding the duty-free. And yes, you might stop and buy like you know a wa- some of us might. I confess to having none. That was a stop and buy a watch that I didn't need, you know, or like, or or something, you know, that's completely an impulse buy. And I wonder how, like, if you have to actually make the choice to go on your phone and be like, oh, I, do I want to pay X hundred dollars for this uh, this watch, or yeah. am I good? Well, you know, I've talked about that with a number of the vendors that are building these sort of infinite digital catalog platforms, and. Because I I agree that I feel like more of it is impulse buy than not. Um, Mm -hmm. They tell me that we are somewhat unique in that we only buy it as an impulse, that more people do actually, you know, look around and have a plan when they're going to do different shopping. So that's interesting. Um, And part of it is also uh, just sort of coming up with this concept of because they have the catalog and can they, if, if it's on your phone, as opposed to just, you know, you're not just a random person in the store. Now you're a passenger who has this boarding pass, and they know in advance where you're going and when you're going. If they have your frequent flyer tie- number tied to it, potentially they know how often you do it and mm-hmm. what your other purchases have been in the past. It does change the targeting and the offer generation. And so this sort of idea of the right offer to the right person at the right price of the right product at the right time isn't just, oh, hey, Seth was walking through and we got lucky that the Haribo display was on an end cap today <laughs> instead of on the inside. Um, I literally, I was digging around. I have a bag of them in, in, with me um, because that's, they're my travel food. Um, but anyways. <laughs> that, that, that is nuts. So, uh, you know, they, <laughs> you, could, you could earn Haribo and some duty-free shops a lot more cash, I guess, if this is... Uh, yeah. This is, 
And, you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think we are probably unique. I mean, when I talk to friends of mine who live abroad, where in countries where there are especially high alcohol duties, like in, yes. in the shop in the city. Scandinavia, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they plan... They plan to buy alcohol, as much alcohol as they can, legally and duty-free. Because it, it, I guess it's less of an issue for us being based in the States where um, alcohol generally is pretty cheap, at least compared to a yeah. lot of other countries. Or cigarettes or whatever, your pick your poison. Or even watches. No, that watch I didn't need, but I, I'm glad I have it. Um, and if you chew uh, on it, it will kill you just like, you know, the, the alcohol eventually. Anyways. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let, let's shift gears. We have a few minutes left. I want to talk just generally about, you know, sort of what is, where, given your, I mean, given the, what you've been reporting, and you, I know you're, you do follow this niche of pastor experience, but you're, you're pretty much an expert in this industry in general. Where, where do you, what do you think the fourth quarter is shaping up to look like? In the U, let's start with the U.S. Yeah, so better than I would have expected, but my expectation was way worse than everybody else had predicted. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think United just announced that they're going to aim for 44% capacity in November, wow. mm-hmm. up from 40 in October. So if we assume that that sort of holds true and they try to boost things for Christmas, which we know they're going to do with all the, like, quote-unquote crazy routes uh, to Florida, right, like the Cleveland and Indianapolis and Minnesota right. and all that stuff that they, they're launching... Um, you know, I think that there's, we're probably looking at the, in that 50% range, 50 to 60% capacity range. Um, I still think loads are going to trail a little bit on that, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, I think, uh, I'd have to double check, but I think we're trailing or, or logging around 33 to 35% loads compared to 2019 on TSA numbers. Wow. Um, <laughs> and unless international opens up, those can't go much higher, I don't think. You know, no, maybe yeah. we get to 40, 45 for some of the peak stuff because people are just so frustrated and so tired of sitting home and quite frankly miss seeing family um and are gonna you know i think more and more people are just eventually going to take that risk um and part of that comes with we do have better understandings of what it takes to stay safe and the Mm -hmm. airports and airlines and everybody else are slightly doing better jobs of making sure that that is happening but at the same time uh you know i would argue that non-essential travel is still probably not a great idea i had that debate long and hard about this particular trip if whether it really was essential or not um hmm. with my customer and whatnot so we did it but um i lost is what i'm saying <laughs> on that discussion right. but yeah I, I think in the 50 45 to 50 percent range uh, we might get back to by the end of the year uh but at lower yields and really not a great place to be so the, the industry is still struggling mightily um, and getting to a level where you know anything looks reasonable and normal, uh, I, I don't see it happening before mid twenty twenty one at the earliest. Right. Now that, that also you know, first of all, when you think of the numbers like forty four and fifty percent, I mean, we're we're the industry is happy about that now, whereas right. that that's that's catastrophic when you think about it, right? Like I, it's it's just unbelievable. But um, the other the other question, you know, of course, that we're all wondering is whether I mean, if there there needs to be a vaccine, there needs to be widespread um, distribution and acceptance, and this important acceptance of the vaccine and administering of the vaccine, right, yeah. um, before travel starts to return. But you know, a vaccine is not necessarily a silver bullet either, right? I mean, absolutely, it it will help, um, but even you know, even once it comes out, distribution is going to take a while. Making sure it's effective is going to take yeah. a while. Um, there's, there's a lot of open questions around that. Um, 
you know, I do think it's sort of what it's going to take to get to broader acceptance of travel being safe and whatnot. Uh, more widespread, quick testing that is accurate um, and That's accepted key. by governments, I think, is going to be a big deal. The, the biggest challenge still, though, with this disease is dealing with the fact that you might be carrying you know, a viral load and not test positive again. Um, until we can sort of really nail that down and understand what that uh, exposure window is. Mm -hmm. And I've heard lots of stuff, but I'm, I'm still a little skeptical there. So, right, you can talk about, like, I can get tested at the airport now on my way to Hawaii. That's great. Is it sufficiently accurate? On, like, if I got sick in the car to the airport, would it pick that up? And right. Probably not is the answer. No. I can't yeah. imagine how it would. So with any of the tests. And so right. in that scenario, do you still need a test three days later after you arrive just to make sure? And at least then you, and you still do contact tracing and at least then it's only three days worth of people you've exposed. I, and you still have to wear a mask everywhere and, 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 and. I think all of these things have to continue to work uh, in parallel. There's no single silver bullet, as you suggested, that's going to mm -hmm. solve the problem. Yeah, it's gonna be. It really will take a multi. From every all my reporting, I mean, it'll take a multi, multi-layered approach. It's gonna take more accurate testing and more testing, and more and more rapid testing. Right? I mean, yeah. the the scenario we're in, where like you could a test may not may give you negatives for up to like two days after infection, yeah. is almost useless for travel. So we, yeah. you know, we I need. I'm disappointed that there wasn't a test available to me at Logan this morning, just in case. Yeah. Right. And required of me, quite frankly, not even available, but required. Huh. Yeah. So it's it's gonna take a lot of layers to, to beat this thing. All right, Seth, we are almost out of time. We got no questions from, from the audience. So I just wanna I know I'm making you stand up in an airport with your uh, your portable lights and and, and <laughs> all kind of crazy data data um, We didn't even talk but we didn't talk about cutting boards and coasters yet. What are, I mean that is true. You know, Seth, I, I was t expressly asked to ask you about the, <laughs> the, the carpentry and the woodworking that you uh, you. Uh, Seth is a longtime resident of New York City and two years ago moved up up stakes and moved to, to New Hampshire and now is making cutting boards and carpet and coasters and installing dishwashers and all sorts of things I would never have guessed a couple of years I'm ago. A man, I'm a man of many skills. The, the cutting boards and coasters will be on sale soon. Uh, look for an affiliate link shortly. For real? I actually am going to sell some of the stuff. Yeah, I've got a lot. I, oh. I have been, I've been grounded for a long time. It has been 248 days. You get a lot, <laughs> spend a lot of time building things. And I can only use so many coasters. I've got crates of them now. We'll talk about this offline. I mean, I can't sell. <laughs> I, I took up I'm baking. I'm not to actually sell them. <laughs> <laughs> I, we'll talk about it offline. I took up baking. Unfortunately, the only thing, only result has been like I gained 10 pounds. I can't really sell my cakes. But um, <laughs> anyway, Seth, I wanted this, Seth, founder of PaxX.Arrow. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, to our listeners, we will be posting this later this week and um, check for the audio version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And as usual, if you have any feedback for me, you can reach me at mu at skiff.com. And you can always check us out on airlineweekly.com and, um, and uh, subscribe if you don't subscribe. Seth, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Madhu. Take care. All right.